please take your seats. The show is about to begin. From Baltimore, Maryland, you're listening to the Maryland Theater Guide with Mark Beachy, a show about theater, music, and dance in the Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Northern Virginia area. During the program, you'll listen to special guest interviews and performances. What's more, listeners will have a chance to win theater tickets and other great prizes. And now, here's your host, Mark Beachy. Welcome to the premiere podcast of the Maryland Theater Guide. I'm your host, Mark Beachy. This episode features an interview with Toby Ornstein, a monologue moment with Valerie Dowdle, and a musical moment with Lisa Levine. In addition, stick around to play a game called Trivia Time. We'll get to our first guest, but first, the news. Young Artists of America's televised performance of Young Artists of America, the songs of Tim Rice, that premiered on MPT in June of 2017, has been nominated for three regional Emmy Awards. A three-hour telecast of the award ceremony will air on MPT2 on Friday, June 29th at 8 p.m. The East Coast premiere of The Book of Joseph has become the highest-grossing show in Everyman Theater's 28-year history. The show runs through June 10th. Since 1979, Toby Ornstein has been the artistic director and owner of Toby's Dinner Theater in Columbia, Maryland. Toby is also the founder and director of the Columbia Center for Theatrical Arts. In 1972, at the invitation of visionary developer Jim Rouse, she created a school for young people who possessed an interest in the performing arts. Earlier, I sat down with Toby inside of her theater in Columbia. During the interview, Toby feels so passionate about what she is saying that you'll occasionally hear the sound of her tapping the top of the table to emphasize her points. Let's first talk about Jim Rouse. Okay. How did Jim Rouse find out about you? Well, it was the early 70s, and I had a school at Burnbury Dinner Theater in Burtonsville. And that dinner theater had just gotten started two years prior to uh, the time that Jim came into my life. And um, that theater was doing very well. My school was doing very well, and they needed the space back for the theater to have rehearsals. And so my school had to leave and I needed a place. And I had many students whose parents were involved in the Rouse Company. And they said, oh, it'd be great if you came to Columbia. Could you do something? We bring Jim Rouse and other people to see what you do. And P.S., the rest is history. Jim said, get her a place. I want her in Columbia. And he got together a place for me in, uh, on Basket Ring Road. He f- uh, took a Wawa, they took a Wawa shop and they put wooden floors for dancers and a stage and we had a school there. Did Jim ever have the time to come out to one of the shows? Well, he, he came out to see all the shows the kids did because at that time we were even doing things at the mall. They would put a stage in the mall and we did a show called Hey Sandra, What You're Doing in the Woods, which was an original musical that a hundred children performed. And it was a beautiful Sunday night. There were hundreds and hundreds of people there, and Jim was right up front. Oh, that's wonderful, because I would expect that he would just be too busy to, to yeah. come. 
come no, out? As a matter of fact, when, when the young Colombians did their first show uh, in 75 at the Meriwether Post, and that's another whole great story, uh, then they went to the mall and performed there. And he said, Toby, I want to take this group of kids everywhere. And we opened every mall, Jim opened, and went to all kinds of meetings. And the kids and the young Colombians called him Grandpa. Oh, now I believe the young Colombians even performed at the White House. We did, and Jim was there. But it was a surprise. He didn't know we were going to be the guest performers. When you founded the Columbia Center for Theatrical Arts in 1972, besides the goal of teaching a curriculum, what kind of learning environment did you create for the young students? To believe in yourself that you can do anything anything you want to do, and not to be afraid. And a good theater school is a school where you can fail because you're not afraid to try things, and you don't know what you have inside you. So the more you try, the more you learn. And classes were just great, and we did all kinds of new shows and all kinds of experiments. And from those original days, we have a lot, a lot of people that have either made it on whatever make it made it is, but have theatrical histories of performing in New York or California or wherever. Now, the skills learned at your school extend way beyond just learning how to act, sing, and dance. In fact, these skills um, are skills that can help in everyday life and every career, correct? Correct. Well, I believe that theater education is the most important education we can give to children because it reaches out for so many things, for communication, for understanding people, for not being afraid to talk to people, to communicate ideas, to share ideas, to change your opinion. Uh, I can go on and on. We could talk for three hours about how valuable a theater education is. Indeed, indeed. How was the idea to create the Toby's Dinner Theater born? Well, it's very interesting. (laughs) Uh, The young Colombians, there was a, a gentleman that ran a hotel in Williamsburg, Virginia, and he saw the young Colombians at some affair we had performed at. And he asked me if I would put a group together to perform in Williamsburg. I did that. And at that same time, uh, I was meeting with Jim about opening a dinner theater in Columbia. And he was trying to get that started for me. When I was approached by the people that were doing all the food in this hotel, was I interested in opening a dinner theater? And I said, where? And they said, in Columbia. Well, it must have been fate. It was fate. Because their controller had was part owner in the Garland Dinner Theater. And they wanted to get out of that business. And they wanted to sell. And meanwhile, I had become very friendly with the people that were running the food end of it. And they were interested in going into a partnership. And without them, we never could have opened because my husband and I wouldn't have had the means, financial means, I don't think, to buy the property and to develop it and change it to what we needed to do. Why did you choose to have the show staged in the round? Well, the theater was in the round. I mean, when we when we bought this theater... Um, It was in the round, of course, and I had never directed in the round. And I said, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? Well, once I started directing in the round, I just I just love it because I have been asked to stage things proscenium and I do for my camps, et cetera. But there's nothing like the round for the intimacy and the communication. 
And every time a new actor comes to work here, like this happened in Newsies, uh, several boys were, were young men were new, they said to me, you really can't, you can't lose your sense of connection in this space, can you? You, there's no hiding. There's no breaking character. You can't hide behind someone and chew gum or say, I'll see you tonight for dinner. You just have to be in the moment every time because everybody is watching what you're doing. Mm, absolutely true. Now, as a patron of Toby's Dinner Theater, I have noticed that the show begins as soon as I walk in the door, meaning, of course, that I receive quality customer service from the box office to the wait staff. I feel as though I'm treated as a special guest not just a customer. What is it that you do to train the staff to create such a welcoming atmosphere and good customer service for your guests? I feel that this theater should be like a home. It should be a welcoming. It should be arena where an arena where everybody that comes in feels this is a special place. This is a place I can bring my children. I can bring my 98-year-old mother to. We can sit down. We can have a lovely dinner. Then we can sit back and enjoy a wonderful show and be surrounded by people that care and are happy. Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Toby Ornstein later in the program. There's a story about actor Edward Norton that you won't want to miss. When we come back from the break, it's time for a monologue moment with Valerie Dowdle. Are you looking for the perfect gift for someone who loves the performing arts? Do you have an actor, dancer, or musician in the family? Well, look no further. The Maryland Theatre Guide features an online gift shop that theater, music, and dance aficionados will love. From apparel to jewelry to games and puzzles, books and more. Take a peek inside the Maryland Theatre Guide's gift shop. Visit mdtheaterguide.com and start shopping. To be or not to be, that is the question. We know what we are, but know not what we may be. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to put down the slings and arrows and get ready for a monologue moment. Here on the Maryland Theater Guide. Today's guest for a monologue moment is Valerie Dowdle. Valerie is returning to Baltimore Shakespeare Factory to portray the infamous Lady in their upcoming production of Macbeth. She has previously performed with them as Cleopatra in Anthony and Cleopatra, Titania in A Midsummer Night's Dream, and Hermione in A Winter's Tale. She has also worked with Fells Point Corner Theater. Macbeth and his lady have been plotting to murder the king and take the crown, but in this scene, Macbeth has begun to have doubts. Lady Macbeth must convince him to take this brief but perfect opportunity before the moment slips by. And now, Valerie Dowdle performing a monologue from Macbeth. What beast was it then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you durst do it, then you were a man. And to be more than what you were, you would be so much more the man, nor time, nor place did then adhere. And yet you would make both. Well, they've made themselves. And that their fitness now does unmake you. I've given suck and know how tender tis to love the babe that milks me. I would, while it was smiling in my face, have plucked my nipple from his boneless gums and dashed the brains out, had I so sworn as you have done to this. 
Macbeth at the Baltimore Shakespeare Factory, directed by Kevin Finkelstein, will run June 29th through July 22nd. Tickets and info available at BaltimoreShakespeareFactory.org. This has been a monologue moment on Maryland Theater Guide. And now back to my interview with Toby Ornstein. You worked with a few famous performers, including Edward Norton. That's correct. Um, How did you meet him? He was a student of mine when he was eight years old. Eight years old. Eight years old. And he was here till, I guess, he through high school almost. I think he took classes from me through high school. And he was in a production we did of Christmas Carol. And he was in the little boy, Jake, in Annie Get Your Gun. What was it like working with him? Could you tell that he was going to be a star back then? (laughs) We have a funny story, and I guess he won't mind if I tell it. Uh, He was always very creative, and he was little Jake in um, in Annie Get Your Gun. And my kids, no matter how old they were, knew that when you were an actor, you always had to have an objective. What do you want to achieve? And that led you to some physical actions. And so Edward said to me, Toby, what do I, what's my objective in this scene? And I said, well, you're a little boy on this boat and there's nothing to do. What, what do you think your objective might be? He says, to find something to do, right? And I said, great. And he says, okay, could I play cards? And I said, sure. So you know this theater. He sat on the floor in front of a section, and he was playing cards, and that was lovely for the first two weeks. And then all of a sudden, everybody was watching him play cards, and nobody was listening to Robin Baxter, who later became a star in, on Broadway, right? Not, not that there were no other stars in that show. And I called him into my office. I said, Edward, why are the, these people laughing? He says, I changed my objective. And I said, oh, really? What what did you change it to? He says, I want to win at cards. So I brought another deck in and I'm cheating. (laughs) And I said, no, that's called upstaging. You're not, you cannot just do that. When you're a famous director, you can tell your actors that whether they can upstage or not, but my theater, you can't. And he said he always remembered that. He told me way later on. That's a marvelous story. One of the many special aspects of your dinner theater is that you have a live orchestra. Yes. Why is a live orchestra so important uh, for the guest experience? Well, because we have live actors. Why shouldn't we have a live orchestra? And one night, if someone blows a line or gets mis- mis- mixed up in something, there's the orchestra to help them out. Just like if you're an actor working with me and I forget my line, you would help me out, give and take. Looking ahead, can you give us an update on the plans for a new cultural center in Columbia? I am hoping we will know something in the next month, is all I can tell you. It's a large expense, and we're... Uh, we passed all the plans, and they're very exciting, uh, but it's very expensive, and we're still working out the economic details. Uh, would uh, the theater design still be in the round? Yes, it will. Okay, that's good to know. And there will be two black boxes and a children's theater and all kinds of classrooms. It will be something that's an apartment that actors and teachers can afford to go rent. It's going to be a whole complex, never before seen. What qualities do you look for when casting a performer for your shows? Honesty. Honesty in their reading, honesty in their singing. And someone I know will work as part of a team. 
Why do you think you've been so successful all these years? Maybe it's because it's not my ego. It's not that it has to be me. It has to be me helping others. Maybe that's it. I mean, everybody says to me, we love working here because it's such a warm place to work, and yet we always know there's going to be a good product. Years from now, how do you want people to remember you? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Someone that really loved kids, loved theater, wanted to do all they could to bring them together. I mean, we we work with kids with autism. We have programs at Kennedy Krieger and all over. And when I see how we have helped young kids through theater, kid, that's what it is, helping kids through theatrical experiences, bringing theater into every child's life. I went to college to become a teacher at Cortland State Teachers College, and I had always been interested in theater, and the drama teacher there said to me, what are you doing here? Why aren't you majoring in theater? And after a year and a half, he convinced me to go to go to a theater school, and I auditioned for Columbia University, who had a great theater department, and I got in, and so I got a split major in education as a teacher and in theater, directing and acting. And at that point, Eleanor Roosevelt was doing had gotten a special grant to teach children in Harlem through the arts. She believed that these kids were not learning because they were learning by traditional standards. And she had a grant to hire six teachers to go into the school system and teach through the arts, and I was one of those teachers. Nobody had ever done that before. Today, we call it arts integration, and we're just starting to call it that. But then... There was no name for what we were doing, and none of us knew what we were doing. We made it up as we went along. And I went into a a, a school where the kids had no control, where they were beating each other up, where they had no respect. They didn't want to listen, and I didn't know what the heck to do. And so one day I said to a little girl, I dropped my crayons, and I said to her, I love you for picking up those crayons. And she said, you love me? She had never heard those words. And after that, she said, what? I'm going to be your friend, Miss Press. I'm going to just be your friend. And whatever you want us to do, I'm going to be the leader and we're going to do it. And so instead of reading about the California Gold Rush, which they couldn't read about anyway in those books because they didn't know how to read, we wrote, we did a play. I read them the story and we did a play and they were the miners and we dug for gold and they made hats and then they wanted to read about it. And when I left that school two years later, they begged me to stay because they said, we need you. And I saw kids that would have ended up in jails becoming good citizens because they learned through the arts that they could learn and they weren't dummies that they thought they were. And that's what I like to leave. And I'm trying talking about it. Well, it just goes to show you how important education in the arts is, especially early on. If you don't like yourself, if you think you're a dummy, you're going to be a dummy. If you learn that you have a lot of value and you're not a dummy and you don't have to be, you're going to explore that till the end of the earth. The end. Above all, I am an opera singer. This is how people will remember me. I know I'm an opera singer, but we're actors too. Oh, 
ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get out your opera glasses and get ready for a musical moment. Here on the Maryland Theatre Guide. Today's guest for a musical moment is Lisa Levine. Lisa is a nationally known cantor, composer, author, poet, and recording artist. Ordained by Aleph Alliance in 2018 as a rabbinic pastor, Lisa is a JSSA chaplain and religious leader of Seaside Jewish Community in Rehoboth, Delaware. And now, here is Lisa Levine performing Ose Shalom from her latest album, Bridge to Peace.
To learn more about Lisa Levine, visit CantorLisaLevine.com. This has been a musical moment on Maryland Theatre Guide. Today's Trivia Time category is Broadway. The first person to email me the correct answers will win the official Maryland Theatre Guide teddy bear. This cuddly bear from the Maryland Theatre Guide gift shop is wearing a white t-shirt with the Maryland Theatre Guide logo. And now let's play today's edition of Trivia Time. Question number one. What is the occupation of the main character of Fiddler on the Roof? Is it A. Matchmaker, B. Dairyman, or C. Teacher. Question number two. Broadway's longest-running show is A. The Phantom of the Opera, B. Cats, or C. Gypsy. Question number three. What name did the devil go by in Damn Yankees? Is the correct answer A. Mr. Lewis, B. Mr. Higgins, or C. Mr. Applegate? Email your answers to me at mark at mdtheaterguide.com. Thank you for joining us for the premiere podcast of the Maryland Theater Guide. I would like to thank our guests, Toby Ornstein, Valerie Dowdle, and Lisa Levine. I'm Mark Peachy. Have a theatrical day. Thanks for listening to the Maryland Theater Guide with Mark Beachy. To read the latest theater, music, and dance reviews, be sure to visit our free online performing arts magazine at mdtheaterguide.com. To become a guest or sponsor of the show, email mark at mdtheaterguide.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Maryland Theater Guide.